Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. It is a podcast as contemplative as a Rod Serling story and as intentional as a Jordan Peele production. It is the middle ground between movies and television, between comedy (laughs) and horror. And it lies between the pit of a man's expectations and the summit of his excitement. This is the dimension of discussion. It is an area which we call Quality Check Podcast. Welcome back, film and television fans, to a new episode of Quality Check Twilight Zone Edition. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me, Drew Douglas. How you doing? We're back in the fifth dimension, baby. After about two weeks off, we took some time, we got lost, we took a detour (laughs) through the Twilight Zone, and we just couldn't find our way out. We were pleading for help, get us out of here. It's worked. We're now out and free. But in actuality, we we had to take a break because you ended up getting your wisdom teeth removed. So that's been kind of painful, I'm sure, for the last it's week still painful. and a half. So are you actually hurting right now? I know you said yes. yesterday. Oh. <laughs> it hurts. Well, it's getting better, I, but I, it hurts a lot more than I expected. Well, I hope that you're able to recover fully quickly you know what did not help no pain meds you couldn't take pain meds right well i could i've been trying not to so i don't get hooked um what didn't help point of origin (laughs) watched it the day that i got my wisdom teeth taken out or the day after so still very tender and then lo and behold we had to watch point of origin and it did not ease my pain I have to say that when you are in that much pain and it hurts and you've had your wisdom teeth removed, you're watching something and if it sucks, it is sucking 10 times worse than whenever you're feeling okay. Because whenever I had my wisdom teeth removed, I did several movie marathons. I did Alien. Mm. So I did Alien, Aliens, and Alien 3. Love that. But then I ended up doing some other, and I can't even remember. I try to block it out of my mind. Now, why didn't you do Resurrection? I think I, I don't know if I had that. So my parents, my dad had them all on VHS. That's fun. Yeah, so you can tell. I think that was right at the cusp of DVD coming in. But we, my dad had the box set of the Alien films is the first three i don't think i'm pretty sure he didn't have resurrection so i think that's the reason why i didn't watch it and what i was just your stopped first dvd you remember first dvd that you actually bought i remember oh that i, I bought yeah I, we got two the matrix was number one okay that was my parents believe it or not that yeah, was my well, dad's i'll first. count that that was my dad's too okay. it was a big deal when it came out yeah now the first because my dad 
actually my parents both would buy a lot of movies on DVD. I did not buy any for the longest time. And I think my first DVD I purchased with my own money was for getting Sarah Marshall. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. And I wonder if it still is funny. If it, if it holds up. Did you like that? Did you like that movie? I'm not a huge... We talked about this before because we did... What was the Jason Siegel movie for Netflix? The Forgotten or something like that. The Connection. I, I don't Whatever know. Whatever that was. Yeah. That was one of our very first podcasts that we did years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge Siegel fan. He's just okay for me. So I don't remember loving that movie. I thought Love, yeah. uh, Jonah Hill was funny in it. Jonah was great. And Russell Brand, I seem to remember him Brand being funny. Is I, I like Mila Kunis a lot. She's great. What about Kristen Bell? Yeah, she's good. You know that, Veronica Mars, baby. Yeah. So the I would say if you have a good movie or a TV show that you're able to watch, even then it becomes a little grating because of the pain that you're having to more or less just sit through and grit and bear it. It's not been fun, but I did watch a lot of television. And then you like can't work out. They like don't no. do anything at all. So uh, as much fun as it is to watch TV all day, there comes a point where you're just I, I have to I have to get out of the house. Now we did think about this for a while, where we were going to do a podcast on Point of Origin, and we were going to do another podcast episode. But you were just going to type it out, and we were going to use the Stephen Hawking voice. That would have been fun. And that would have been what you sounded like for those episodes. It would have been two and a half hours long as I typed everything out. You never know. We may have to switch to that midway through this episode. After we saw Point of Origin, I was just like, why, you know, Blue Scorpion's coming up in a couple days. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'm going to have to say on this episode. So let's just do, let's do a twofer. And that's what we're doing today. We're merging it. Just a heads up. If this is your first time listening to Quality Check, I don't know maybe why it would be yeah, your why, first time. What are you yeah. doing? You should listen to our other episodes on The Twilight Zone and just our other movie episodes. So Quality Check normally covers movies, but we're stepping into the fifth dimension to cover the rebooted Twilight Zone TV series that's streaming on CBS All Access. In this episode, as mentioned, we will talk about Point of Origin and Blue Scorpion just a heads up, signpost ahead, spoilers. We'll also talk about any previous Twilight Zone shows that compare to these new episodes. And boy, do I have a lot for Point of Origin. But really? I don't, I don't have a lot for Blue Scorpion. That is a positive thing. <laughs> so let's start off with Point of Origin. Why are you doing this to me? I just need you to answer a few questions. I know why you are here. You need to remember who you are before they do. Just close your eyes and relax. Sorry, I was just in another world there. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Point of Origin tells the story of a suburban housewife who wants to go home. But where and what is home, really? (laughs) What is that? The official CBS synopsis is very bad. Well, I mean, whenever I read that, we were typing out a few notes before we started recording, and I stopped and I said, this is asinine. Like, if you are CBS, I guess it says Twilight Zone, so maybe you, you're you not worrying about having to put too much into these plot synopsis, but that is bad. Someone literally fell asleep at the keyboard on that description. What? Well, 
That doesn't describe anything. Uh, uh, I mean, heads it up. both describes little and is like the most heavy-handed description of all time. <laughs> good. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The stats in this. This was released on May 16th. And I, on my notes here, because I have them split, split between the computer and the phone, my runtime on the computer just says long. It <laughs> felt too long. So point of origin is actually well, 44 how, minutes. Okay, I was going to say, how yeah. long? I did remember being that long. 44 <laughs> minutes is not that long. We've been wanting oh. this. I mean, that's longer than like a normal NBC show, hour long. Yeah. Now, I watched this twice. Actually shorter, probably. Yeah. Around the same time. I watched this twice. The first time why? I saw it. Why? Because here's why. First time I saw it, I did not, as soon as it ended, did not remember a single thing. Not a single thing. And that is a bad sign. So you'll know exactly kind of how I feel about this. But it just seemed to blow through so many different elements of the story that I did not get. This was written by John Griffin, which on IMDb, this is his first writing credit. This is also directed by Matthias Herndl, who has shot most of these new Twilight Zone episodes. In fact, he has shot six of all of the Twilight Zone episodes. He did not shoot this one, though. He just directed it. He's also worked as a director for a few other TV shows, and the most known of that is Wayward Pines. Did you watch that? No, I haven't started it because someone told me not to. Well, I mean, it's not even around anymore. There's no point. Is it only three three seasons? Something uh, like that? I, I want to say it lasted at least two seasons, but, you know, I started that. Did I you think, like I it? I think Shyamalan produced that, didn't he? Oh. Oh, I th yeah, I think it you're was right. The Fox show? Yeah. I'm thinking of Penny Dreadful with Josh Hartnett. So I believe No, it this not, is the uh, Matt Dillon one. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan, he, di he directed the pilot too, and he was the executive producer. Do you remember liking any of it? It was two seasons long. They did 20 episodes. I don't remember finishing it. Cast isn't bad. Matt Dillon, Carla Cugino, hmm. mm -hmm. uh, Shannon Sossman, who was a big deal when I was growing up. Our boy, uh, Toby Jones, who Ooh, we always say. TJ. We always say that Toby Jones hangs dong, which is a reference for his penis size. To, I have a feeling that TJ is just... Pretty much the Hollywood icon, similar to Ron Jeremy. But listen to this. Jaiman Hansu, Hope Davis, Jason Patrick, Terrence Howard, Melissa Leo. Good grief. This cast is good. It's stacked. It's pretty good for a Fox show. No kidding. I may start it just because of the cast. Don't I'd... start it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this didn't have an ending. Well, may, do you think it's better than the Twilight Zone series that we've seen so far? It's rebooted? I would imagine it is. <laughs> Actors for Point of Origin, we've got Jennifer Goodwin. Now, if you listen to the last episode for Not All Men, we talked about Jennifer Goodwin. I have not seen a lot with Jennifer, so I don't, I, I obviously have taken notes on what she's starred in, but I don't really have a strong opinion on her and her acting. But you had referenced in the last episode that you and your girlfriend were watching He's Just Not That Into You, in which Jennifer stars. Yeah, she plays Gigi. Is she good in that? Uh, I like her, yeah. And then I remember her in Walk the Line mm -hmm. and Went a Date with Tad Hamilton. And that's basically it because she did She was um, uh, Once Upon a Time mm -hmm. for a long time. Major player in that, like and, a, over 100. Uh, I do remember her in, she was on the HBO show 
Big Love. I've wanted to see that. With Paxton? Yeah. I And she was on Ed, too, which I love. One of my favorite oh, shows of all yes. time. Um, I'm, I would say I'm indifferent on her, but what I've seen her in, I'm like, yeah, she's cute. I could get behind that. She always plays the character that a guy falls in love with. And you're just like, why didn't you see that two hours ago at the beginning <laughs> of the movie? Like, she's not... She's not hideous, guys. Based on her credits, her her acting credits, it seems like she's been in a lot of those roles, similar to when McConaughey was going through his beach bum days. Not literally the beach bum, but just his beach movie days. Also, I wanted to bring up James Frayne. Frayne? Fran? Yeah, he's a guy that I, I'm like, I recognize your face and what you're in. I could not, I wouldn't never have known his name. He's been in a lot. And I was surprised whenever I was researching because... He is described as one of the most versatile TV actors out there. He was in season two of True Detective. He played a lieutenant of that. Seven episodes. <laughs> and I can tell you, I don't remember. remember him at all in season I, two. I don't either. He was in True Blood, and he was in two episodes of Fringe. I love Fringe. Do not remember him in Fringe. I remember him on True Blood. Well, and similar to Fringe, his very brief appearances on that just being in two episodes that's similar to a lot of tv shows he's been on he makes like one or two appearances and that's it and then he's out he pieces out so we won't see him again on any future twilight zone episodes hopefully we see jennifer goodwin in a good one let's get into our thoughts starting with point of origin is fill in the blank do you have a good one for fill in the blank yeah i wrote point of origin successfully squanders a promising twist <laughs> I took the words right out of Serling's mouth and just plopped him point of origin. Well, I reworked it a little bit. Point of origin is a confusing and misguided journey through the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't write any notes for this episode. <laughs> if you're for some reason downloading this because you want our thoughts, our long thoughts Hardcore on point thoughts. of origin, turn it off. Well, this show... Or, or skip to Blue Scorpion. This, this episode for specifically just Four Point of Origin is getting ripped online. People hate it. and I Which think, is frustrating because like I, like I wrote, there's a promising twist in this episode and it does nothing with it. Not, yeah, it drops it just like the meteorite and what we saw in Not All Men the last episode. I feel like that is bad for a different reason. This just kind of sets up a good story, and then never takes it anywhere. It's just Jennifer Goodwin on the run. Sure. Which, hey, there could be something there, but they, we, need, to, they need to be trimming some of this down because I really think that this, the misguidedness of this episode, I'm just sitting through this in confusion like, what? Let's f now get into the narrator's intro. This happens at 8 minutes and 56 seconds in. And this is what the narrator says. Meet Eve Martin, loving mother, devoted wife, active in her community. Eve was raised to view the world from a bubble of comfort, safety, and privilege. But that bubble is about to be reversed, and when it does, she will find herself within the strange and unfamiliar borders of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, not bad. That's an interesting setup, but I feel like, to be honest, and I'll say this right now, I feel like the whole maid subplot unnecessary yeah that's the 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 twist of this episode is enough to carry it you don't need the extra mm -hmm. 
Because I was actually surprised with the twist in this. As we're basically getting into the, the interrogation of Eve's character this in this is, episode. Every one of these episodes is taking something social. This is an immigration episode. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, obviously, if you've seen it, you know that. And we take it a step further that Eve Martin is from another dimension. Which is cool. Good That's, idea. Yeah, great idea. We and, never explore that dimension. We keep getting glimpses of it in ruins. Mm-hmm. And just a waste and so at the very beginning of this episode we see eve and she's going around her house she's showing two guys around i don't even know why are they well, just they're, like surveying they're organizers the for a school function that okay. she is holding okay and see i blanked that out that doesn't even register like i think they're setting it up okay and so which builds into what the narrator was saying about active in her community. So starts with Eve. She's showing them around the house. And then all of a sudden we end up getting the basically ice and they come in and take away the maid and she's carted off. Then we end up seeing the slice of life with Eve and her family. And they really don't know how to handle themselves now that the maid is gone. And of course, I mean, I'm rolling my eyes immediately because Eve is heartbroken that this woman has been taken away, but she doesn't know anything about her. She didn't know that this woman had kids or grandkids. It's the most obvious stuff you could ever write. Yeah. And it just seems like a something where with the writing of this, you have some of the points that we've seen in so many different shows and films, but it's just, it just, it doesn't make sense. As far as the maid, she's taken away, and we then cut to a scene of her talking to her friends at a dinner table about how crazy that is. Cut that. Like, there are certain points in this episode where I just kept saying while watching it, unnecessary. Like, we didn't need that. This is a Twilight Zone episode. We can trim this down to a short and breezy 20-minute episode, if that. Overall thoughts. We're basically diving into that. I'll be up front and say, did not like this. No. It's at all. So can we find any like things to praise about this? I've I've written down three. So and three things or less, finding the good out of this. I will say that the conversation with Eve and the maid, whenever they meet again and they're both in custody, that's a pretty good conversation. But if you cut out the maid, that's unnecessary. So once again, that's kind of in between. But I still like what they ended up talking about. I love that we have immigrants from another dimension. Great idea. Poor execution. Mm -hmm. I agree. Goes nowhere. And like you said, that falls flat. The twist could have held this up. But hey, I guess we have to throw in something that is slapping us in the face. Also, there are great visuals that could have led to something such as her being on the table. Mm-hmm. And if you noticed the little twilight zone that's inside of the, it's like the spinning circles and it's just this kaleidoscope look. It's in one of the monitors as she's lying on the table. There's some good ghoulish imagery in this. Yeah. She's strapped up to a chair. It, They're doing experiments on her. You know, visually at times it reminded me of dark city. Oh. Which has a lot of really striking imagery. Sure. I mean, yeah, the same stuff for me. Good twist. Good imagery at times. I think good one is good. 
I think she's actually pretty good in this. Sure. I just, it sucks she's in a bad episode. The pro- It's promising. It's not executed well at all. We've already talked about the dislikes. It's basically everything else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the most egregious thing is coming up with something smart and then just not doing anything with it. This is the people are ripping a lot of these episodes. Obviously, we've talked about this because mm-hmm. they're so heavy handed. This one's not heavy handed in, in a way that frustrated me. Sure. It was just as an episode of television, not very good. Just from a writing standpoint and how it was pieced together, it seemed almost like it was improv. We said that yeah, not all it's, men it's seem a, that way. I wrote this first draft. That's good enough to put on TV. Let's just, do it real quick. Let's throw it up on CBS All Access. Not good. The ending of this, Eve escapes and she is with the maid. They're running to the ice cream truck and the maid's like, no, nope, I don't feel this. Don't feel good about it. She takes off and I don't know if she goes back or she runs away somewhere else. But Eve goes with this guy, goes back to her house where she confronts her husband and her children. And that's whenever she's taken away again. And it's just like she's stuck in this endless circle. I honestly was, by the end of this, have to say that I was ready to just fast forward. Just I feel like skip this episode altogether. I just want to know, like, I love the flashes that we get of her home world. Like, what was, was it nuclear meltdown and she escaped like Superman? What, what happened? There's so many... Cool things. This one too feels like it's really strapped, uh, like a budget. Sure. Maybe they had a lot of ideas to expand this and they could not do it for monetary reasons, for time constraints. Um, but it's like, why even? I think the flashes there are there to create some mystery and intrigue, which it does. I just, I, I, that would have been really cool to explore. Like, why? Why is? Because the idea, obviously, that uh, we might be Americans, but our ancestors maybe even not that long ago, are immigrants. Sure. I don't know. It left me thinking to myself, wonder what was going on in her dimension that caused her to escape. And I guess the idea is it was just so bad. They needed they needed to be out of it. Sure. I guess you can just assume that. So That's kind of like the, the flashes that we get of this destruction of where she came from. Because everything looks like it's been burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. Buildings are... Um, toppled over and destroyed and i don't know it's just i think ultimately this one is just frustrating i wasn't angry like some of the other ones where i'm like man this is just so on the nose it was just like a frustration factor this this episode almost broke me yeah this was one where it ended i'm like i i can't wait for this season one to end I don't want to pay for CBS All Access anymore. <laughs> Just we have two left. And that's bad. That's when awful. I feel like you and I are getting conned out at $10 a month. It's 10 bucks. That's not even that much money. I'm Ten, like, I want to get rid of this thing. 10 bucks. And at the same time, you say Twilight Zone, I'll watch it. Yeah. But if this is, again, we've said this 4,000 times. <laughs> if this is what CBS is banking on people like you and I to subscribe, it's awful. It's not yeah. good. And I can't imagine a lot of people sticking through. I mean, I would imagine a lot of people by this point, we're doing this for a show. If you're not doing this for a podcast <laughs> or for a reason, you're not paying $10 we'll a month up. for this anymore. There, you would have stopped a long time ago. There is somebody who we 
used to work with and I talked to he and his wife, they watched the first two episodes and stopped. And he is probably a larger Twilight Zone fan than I am. And he said, just couldn't do it. And I said, well, you go back. He's like, probably not. Yeah, that's I think the damage has been done for a lot of people, which is a shame because we're going to get into another episode coming up, which I think you and I both yes. really liked. But and there have been looking back when we rank these, um, I've been ranking. I've just been writing all the episode titles down and then ranking them fresh every time we do an episode. And I'm starting to notice there are more of these that I like than I remember. It's just the bad ones really stick out. Mm-hmm. The bad ones are the ones everybody's talking about. They're not talking yeah. about Nightmare, which was a pretty solid episode. And that is a bummer. And we'll get to, especially in Blue Scorpion, where they're starting to find kind of a, a trend that they had in some of the, the good episodes. And it's not all bad. No. And that's the thing, like, with Not All Men, that that episode was frustrating to me. But I... even. It's okay to have divisive episodes because you and I sure. like the Wonderkind a lot. Yeah. We know a lot of people didn't, which I understand. I thought that one was really well done, but that's another one where it really hits you over the head with the message, but it mm-hmm. still felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And, and that, then you just have stuff like this that is just, again, as an episode of television, just not not up to what you would expect. And I know in the last episode, Not All Men, it, like you said, was Rip City. And same way with this. And it really is a bummer because... I don't want to be trashing an episode, but it just whenever a show takes a premise and like you said, there's a nugget or multiple nuggets that could make it really good and it doesn't happen and they just drop the ball and they've got plenty of time. You know, it's not like time's an issue. Now, playing off of what you were saying about the ending and the, the twist of her being an immigrant from another dimension, this is the narrator's outro. We are all immigrants from somewhere, be it another city, another country, or another dimension. As a child, Eve Martin escaped to what should have been a better world. A world where the skies are blue, but now those skies have darkened and the land below them is a place she is no longer welcome. For Eve Martin, there's no passport to be stamped for passage out of the Twilight Zone. Ooh, that's a long outro. Very long. Long outro. I mean... Here's the thing. Once again, they threw in some stuff that I feel like could have been cut. Blue skies, darkened, land that she no longer feels welcome. I think it could be tweaked, but I just hate that it sounds like I have nothing good to say about this episode. But it just, like I said, this almost snapped me. It's where I almost said I can't continue. It's like you said, you you and I don't want to sit and do this. We want to like these episodes. No, I mean, like, we don't want to complain. We we were paying for this. We want to, we were so excited for this. And we wanted to be able to share that excitement with you listeners out there. And you've just gradually seen us get beaten down over the last two months. Honestly, I don't have, we normally do YouTube moments, something that someone will remember years down the road about this episode. I don't have one. I don't either. I would never watch this again. I would tell someone to skip this episode. If you watch the series, which I still think there are episodes to watch, but since it's an anthology, just skip this because eventually this story will be done later in a better way. Overall grade. I'm slapping this first time an F. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that seems too low to me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually say D. Before we move on to Blue Scorpion, let's cover... 
Easter eggs. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, I've got a lot. First and foremost, times with new Twilight Zone episodes, 1015. Did you notice that? Yeah, she's given a code to enter a doorway or something. Mm-hmm. She does 1015. That's basically the door to escape. So when she's in the grocery store, Eve is with her kids. A man in a suit pushes her, and he looks a little bit like a traveler. And we saw another very mysterious person who could have been another traveler, and that was in, I think, the replay episode. It's just a guy standing off in a suit, and he was smoking a cigarette. At the very end of the episode? Yep. Yep. And it lingers on that shot. This time it lingered on this shot, too, with her talking with her kids and the clerk, but we don't see the man's face. Is it the same person? I don't know. I don't think so. It mm. didn't look like the same person. So I wonder if there are multiple travelers and basically they're just aliens. That'd be kind of fun. It's very fringe, though. Yeah. We're ripping fringe off. Yeah, well, coming from guys who have worked on fringe. So let's do nods to older Twilight Zone episodes. You mentioned flashes that Eve sees, and it's her realizing and remembering what she went through as a kid. There's one shot, and it looks like Talkie Tina. I also thought that the flashbacks reminded me of Time Enough at Last. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. All of the scorched earth and everything that happened, so maybe they escaped the other Twilight Zone to get into the new Twilight Zone. This episode also reminded me of Little Girl Lost. That's about a girl trapped in another dimension. Do you remember that episode? I don't. But if it's better than this, I will watch it. Watch it. It's season three, okay. episode 26 of the OG series. Remember it, when seasons were 30 episodes long? 35 episodes? Let's bring it back so long as it's good. The other thing that... It's a tie-in to the older Twilight Zone episodes. Matheson Charter School. That name was mentioned at the beginning of this episode. A little nod to Richard Matheson. Gets a lot of nods in these new ones. The Gremlin doll. Did you see it? It's in the dollhouse, and it's just peering out of a tiny little window. And speaking of dollhouse, it's a subtle nod to the episode Miniature. Another OG episode from season four... And it's starring Robert Duvall. It's about a man who becomes obsessed with tiny dolls that's inanimate to everyone but him. So that's our time to Blue Scorpion. Woo! Just three more things I want to bring up. Mr. Dingle Ice Cream Truck. That is a nod to Mr. Dingle the Strong, starring Burgess Meredith. Mm-hmm. There was a lingering shot on the cereal. Did you see what was on that box? It is frosted Kanamunch cereal, and at the bottom it says to serve humans. It is a reference to the Kanamun aliens and to serve mankind, and it also features a little icon that looks like them too. And the mask that Eve wore, I thought that had a resemblance to the pig noses and Eye of the Beholder. Yeah. So the Easter eggs are a lot better and a lot more fun than the episode itself. That's honestly what I was looking for. I had more fun listening to you list those off than I did watching a 44-minute episode. I certainly would have, and that's really the only thing that I would say. I can't even say watch it for that. No, that bums me it's out. not worth it. I don't know. I, I, I would be 
I would. I want to go back and watch the serial scene. I want to see what that looks like. Sure. And then the masks. I got the same vibe. Um, that's. I mean, that's fun. That mask was really cool. I love the. It's cool. That's what I'm talking about. Like some of the imagery is very striking, very well done. It could be very terrifying, but it just wasn't. Let's move on to something that is terrifying. Ooh. It freaked me out at times. Ooh, what's it called? The Blue Scorpion. It's probably worth something. I'm not gonna make money off my dad's suicide. I have no interest in selling the Blue Scorpion, ever. I can't help feeling that all my stuff has a soul. next stop the twilight zone let me read this to you i'm ready per cbs the emergence of the elusive blue scorpion leads anthropology professor jeff stork to his most personal research project yet this is episode nine of the twilight zone it premiered may 23rd on cbs all access it was directed by craig william mcneil he's done two movies 2015's The Boy, starring David Morse and Rain oh. Wilson. Not to be confused with the 2016 horror movie about a weird little doll and the girl yeah. from The Walking Dead. Never Where's seen going? this movie, never heard of it. McNeil also did last year's Lizzie with Kristen Stewart, and he directed the entire first season of the anthology show Channel Zero for sci-fi. Hmm. Uh, it was written by Glenn Morgan, who has done, um, I think this is his third. Third, mm-hmm. Second one that he's written by himself, and I think he's 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 the MVP of this season so far. Give this show to him. Just let him do it. Uh, it's 42 minutes long. It stars Chris O'Dowd. He plays Jeff Stork. You might know him from the IT crowd, Bridesmaids. Ooh. This is 40, and the Cloverfield Paradox, among many things. I don't remember Sadly. him in that. Yep. He was the guy who... He put his arm up to, I think, to lean on the wall, and it ate his arm Ooh, and cut it off. Not good. Yeah. And then the only person, the only other cast member I think we need to mention is Amy Landecker. She plays Jeff's estranged wife. Does she have a name in this episode? I don't I remember, remember them saying it. Yeah. And it's not even listed on IMDb. I but, don't remember uh, it. This is basically the Chris O'Dowd show for 42 minutes. Loves. Oh, I loves it too. He's a delight in this. Let's get into fill in the blank. I'll go first. I'm ready. The Blue Scorpion is the Twilight Zone we've been waiting all season for. I love it. I mean, I texted you immediately after finishing it. I was like, Twilight Zone, wow. This is it. We find episodes, took nine episodes, but they have done one that is incredible. Now, you were worried, obviously, coming out of Point of Origin and not all men. I was so deflated because it's been so bad. But the trailer, did that and sell you at all? The trailer didn't sell me. It didn't sell me either. I mean, and a lot of that is just because these have been awful. And I just, yeah. I was like, man, it, it looks okay. And then, of course, we're dealing with guns. This is going to be the big gun mm-hmm. one. And that got me worried because we can't do any of these episodes um neutral and guess what in my opinion they did yeah i thought it was handled very well you know why two words glenn morgan glenn morgan what's your fill in the blank fill on the blank blue scorpion is 
the best true mystery thriller of the new Twilight Zone episode. They nailed it. It's a true mystery. They got a mystery right. And they did it in a way that Serling would have done 40-something years ago. Unbelievable. Uh, let's get into, real quick, the narrator intro. Woo. Three minutes, 16 seconds into the episode. We've already laid out the groundwork for the plot. Happens fast. Jeff Stork, he walks into his father's house. He's talking to his estranged wife. They're setting up this divorce. He doesn't want it. And he finds his dad. He finds his dad dead from a gunshot wound. And then we're introduced to this mysterious gun. It's called the Blue Scorpion. And it looks cool. I'm not a like gun aficionado, but it's awesome. it looks awesome. Yeah. And we meet the narrator, and he says this. Here sits Professor Jeffrey Mingus Stark, a man who holds a doctorate in anthropology but possesses little true knowledge of himself. Today, Professor Stork is surrounded by the many familiar artifacts that shaped his father's life and the one unknown object that ended it. As a scientist, he's about to embark on his darkest research project yet. His conclusion will lie somewhere between the barrel of a gun and the outer regions of the Twilight Zone. Barrel of a gun. There that is go. fantastic right It's there. great. Everything about this episode rules. Here's the thing. Minor complaint. Minor. You ready? Give it to me. Too long? No. Okay. No. Okay. It's fine. That, the, the narrator. that his middle name is Mingus? I, I wish. <laughs> I like that we get his middle name. It's just like, okay. I think that's the first. I really wish as they were carting out the body, somehow it's unzipped and the narrator is his dad. Eh. No, that's stupid. But yeah. I, like- I love that we never see his father. We only see like mm-hmm. from the, the the legs down. We see the gun lying on the bed. And Chris O'Dowd is in a state of shock. My dad is like a hippie. He doesn't have a gun. What is and he took his own life? I don't understand. This just makes no sense. He had and we're right into the story. It's just great writing. This Everything is, about it. This is good writing, finally. Now, obviously, one huge source of contention for viewers this season is how thick the writers have laid the themes into our heads. And this is ultimately an episode about how people prioritize their love of guns or anything over the value of human life. Mm -hmm. One really interesting thing about this episode is in an interview, our boy Glenn Morgan says he worked very, very hard not to make this episode too obvious. Morgan says they made a big effort to do something that neither the left nor the NRA would immediately turn off. Love it. Why? What are we? Why haven't we been doing this all season? It's so refreshing to have a pro-gun people, especially in this episode. We have pro-gun people in this episode mm-hmm. that are not fanatics. Yeah, we have people that aren't interested in guns that aren't crazy people. We, we do an episode that is right down the middle, in my opinion. I feel like most people are going to agree with that this isn't heavy-handed on either side. Though on yep. Reddit, I have seen complaints that this is nothing but mm. trashing gun lovers. Pushing, okay. I don't, I never got that feeling. I was actually pleasantly surprised. And then, uh, I don't like to read about the episodes prior. So I just searched Glenn Morgan and saw that he had done this interview and was was like, man, this makes complete sense that they intentionally tried to do that another reason why we should just hand this over let to glenn morgan it. let him do it let him serve as head writer 
Which, I mean, basically he is, but at the same time, good grief. So let's lock this in right now. MVP already of the season is Glenn Morgan. We don't yes. even need to finish episode 10. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that he wrote the Blurry Man, which is going to be the season one I don't finale? Know. I've been avoiding those two because every episode that shows up, I'm like, oh, who's directing this one? I sure. let it kind of unfold naturally. And every time I see Glenn Morgan's name from the beginning because of the X-Files, he's so great. Mm-hmm. And that got the intro got me excited. Seeing Glenn Morgan's name got me excited. This for 40, well, how, how long is this stupid thing? 42 minutes? 42 minutes. 42 minutes of great TV. I, as soon as Glenn Morgan's name popped up, I paused it because I was in shock. And I immediately said to myself, I was alone, I'm in for a treat. I mean, that that sets you, I feel like that seeing that sets you up for, I know this has not been great leading up to this episode, but I have faith that this episode might turn it around. I think looking back, they'll end up saying, Glenn Morgan, we need you to do more of these. And his description of the way he approached it is fantastic. I just, why are we not doing that from the beginning? That's how it should be. It's what Serling did. I mean, I get it. They want to make it different and they want to have their own spin on it. But good grief. It's just when you, when you don't have a good story, everything else just falls to the wayside. This is not one of those episodes. All right. So it's no secret that we really like this episode. Three things or less. Mm-hmm. What are, what are the, some of the things that you love the most? Starting from the bottom, it's eerie and creepy. There's one scene where we're in the bedroom, and this is after O'Dowd is smoking it up. Oh, yeah. He's high as a kite. He's high, and he hears about the background of this gun. And as he walks into the room where his dad killed himself, his master bedroom, he we don't see anything at first, but he's... I went Talking back and rewatched that because I was like, where did this guy come from? It yep. like freaked me out. He's listening to Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit mm-hmm. as we're watching Jeff go down the following the great, White Rabbit. Great. His own song, journey of yeah. his own. The music in this is fantastic. Just the nods to the 60s and just the, yes. the way they use music in this episode to just kind of break it up a little bit and add a little texture that you w- we have not been getting in these episodes. It is layered. And this is a great example of what I feel like, the Twilight Zone, what I was expecting, I'll say that, what I was expecting coming from Peel and his crew. That's a good way to say it. This is what I've expected from the beginning. Yeah. And okay. actually, after the first two, I, I kind of thought we were in that path. We're, we were going to get better, but hopefully they just needed to get all the muck out of the engine to get to this. But going back, it's eerie and creepy. I legit got scared by that guy as he appears. And O'Dowd is like, he blinks talking to himself. And he, that, that genuinely, for the first time in this first season, I was scared. I was alone with the lights off and I almost had to turn it off for a second. Just very eerie. Also, as I mentioned before, it is a real mystery. You're thinking about this throughout the entire episode. It builds and it builds and it builds. You're wondering what's going to happen. What does this gun really mean? And that note, the suicide note that his dad left, I love him more than you. And, and if, he ends up using that, that same line himself mm-hmm. in his own personal life. I just love 
I absolutely love that. And it's so dark and sad. But if you were to get a note like that, you would be devastated, you know? And he asks himself, does he, is he talking about me or mm-hmm. is he talking about someone else? Is yeah. he referring to the gun? Because mm-hmm. we start to believe this, char- this gun is its own character. Sure. We learn the rules of it, that it is, you don't pick the gun, the gun picks you. It's a, it's a gun that only seven people have ever owned. It's a gun that does not like to be in the dark. Mm-hmm. Put a light, it has to have a light on because it gets scared. It did. It and it's, it's like this actual, I mean, it's brought up, brought up um, when Jeff is talking to a student about animism, which is the idea that every single thing has its own spirit. And he, at first, is very scared of this gun. Doesn't want anything to do mm-hmm. with it. He's not a gun person. And we watch over the 42 minutes of this episode that he becomes obsessed with this gun. Mm-hmm. He beca- he actually loves this gun. And it becomes more important to him than anything in his life. And it's scary. We watched Chris O'Dowd. Like, we've talked about this before. These episodes work best. And we get the best performances when people are unraveling. Adam Scott or John Cho. And... I'm sure you're going to say this. Chris O'Dowd' performance is fantastic. Top notch. He's up one there of with the, the best. best, maybe the best, next to those two other actors. Agreed. Because this is basically a one man show. I've seen Chris O'Dowd before, and I've always really liked him. This time, he stood out not just in this episode, but I feel like if going forward he gets more roles like this, I'd watch it in a heartbeat. He's someone that is very funny. Um, but can do drama very well, and he can he's genuine lose his mind mm-hmm. very well, and you see it in his eyes. He looked like he'd not <laughs> slept at all in these episodes. And yeah. when he's stoned, he looks stoned. And I bet he is. This though. is probably, I would say, the best performance, the standout performance of season one. And it probably, I don't know. I hate to say will end up being the best because we have one to go, and we have two great actors in that episode. Oh, we'll get to that. Here's the thing. I love Chris, but as I noted, before, as we were starting this episode, I have a lot of things about this and which I love. That does not go, my top does not go to Chris O.D. My top favorite thing about this episode is our possessions possess us storyline. That, that just hit me and what it reminded me so much of is Christine. The Stephen King. Oh, yeah. The, the story. Now, that story is about a car in which a teenager gets a car and it's a clunker, but he fixes it up and he becomes so possessed with it. Now, in the book, I won't reveal a whole lot about the story, but it's different than the movie. And the book is very similar to this storyline where. It's what are you willing to do, but it, it almost is like starts to become ingrained into your DNA and how you act and react. And that idea is, I feel like, so relatable where you become almost dependent on something mm-hmm. that you start to ask, what, like, is it starting to control me? I mean, we're living in that generation where you could end up saying, this isn't about guns, this is about social have, media. They this could is, have done this on social media. That's yep. the thing. You could have used cell phones to tell this story and it's something we can all relate to and i think morgan wisely chooses guns Mm -hmm. because it's just such a a fantastic pairing it's everything about this is so smart i like talking about this like my score 
I feel like is going up. I just, I'm raving about this. So I'm glad we paired it with point of origin because this is, after going through a low, we have We have the, the high highest of high. of high. And we're not high. And we're we not are. stoned like Jeff <laughs> Stork. But we are high name. on the story. Do yeah, we like good. the name Jeff Stork? Love it. I love the paranoia too. This has that paranoia factor where he gets the gun. There's a bullet on the gun named Jeff, which is his name. And then for the rest of the episode, he's constantly stumbling on people with the name <laughs> Jeff, whether it's a human being or he's walking to his college uh, classroom where he's or his office where he's a professor. And the war, every he meets, there's a dog named Jeff. <laughs> yes, that's What's right. What's coming out of everyone's mouth is the word Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, it's Jeff. It's so great. Uh, and, and, also, and that's kind of that oddball humor that Morgan does well. Mm-hmm. And there's not a ton of it in this episode. Um, what are you? What What else did you love? That well, I could keep going for days I mean, about this, but those are my those are my three. That's basically mine too. And the fact that I thought with a traveler that felt like a Morgan episode of the X Files, mm-hmm. even though it fit into the Twilight Zone. This feels like a Morgan episode of The Twilight Zone. Pure Twilight Zone. Which is probably the best thing I could say besides the subtlety factor where it's absolutely killed this show so far. Mm -hmm. And I believe Morgan when he says they made an effort to take strides not to offend either side of the gun debate. And it's a rarity in this season. And that is the best thing I can say besides Chris O'Dowd who just – he knocks it out of the park. Bad things. Bad things. What do we got? I'll go with my number one because the number two could be a good transition. I feel like they could have cut down on a few of the scenes. You mentioned that you felt like the runtime, all of that was fine. I didn't and have any problems with that. The the one, and this is going to that offbeat humor, when basically O'Dowd is hamming it up with the gun and the gun range, that yeah, was okay. They they pull their own taxi driver scene basically <laughs> where he's Travis Bickle and he's mm-hmm. – it kind of sets up the ending where these kids find the gun on the shore and they immediately are playing with it. Sure. They don't take it seriously. This is something that could take your life. But we don't take that stuff seriously anymore. And that's – he's in his father's house and he's playing with it like it's a toy. <laughs> I think that's smart. I, that was – and looking back, I don't have a major problem with that. That's a minor criticism because yeah. I can easily overlook that. After everything we've seen so far, I can easily overlook it's all that. a masterpiece. Now, there is, and, and this is being very nitpicky, my last dislike. The narrator at the end didn't have a, much, have a whole lot to say. And I really feel like if they ended and wrote it in more specific to Jeff rather than what it actually is, that would have stood out a little bit more because this Mm. is more of a happy ending for Jeff, but for the kids, that's where it continues. But I think Jeff is everyone. The everyman, yeah. That it's a cycle. That we, again, because it mirrors him playing with the gun, mirrors the kids at the end, that Mm -hmm. we just don't take it gun seriously. In -hmm. this case, it's just like... Uh, we never have the thought process that, oh, I could take your life and that's it. Now, the ending, don't get me wrong. The, I like the ending. I wondered, that is maybe a criticism, is because the ending is happy for Jeff and he gets rid of the gun with, with from what we can tell, no consequences. He's also rewarded, he, more He's or rewarded. Less. Uh, by the end of this episode, the gun basically makes Jeff a hero by um, because he captures a serial burglar. 
He gets a good divorce settlement for protecting his wife. He's also chosen as chair for the Department of Anthropology. He's moving up. And he gets rid of the gun and faces no consequences. And I wondered if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I, I like that. It's an unexpected we, ending because I really no, thought yeah. somehow he was going to end up. It would be the complete opposite where he loses everything. But mm-hmm. he ends up gaining so much by embracing this thing that he was initially so terrified of and that that consumes him. And that I like because it played in to that idea of he was able to more or less overcome this, but at the same time, it's a struggle. Like it's not easy for him. That bit could be maybe criticized a little bit and in how the gun discharged and more or less the act that occurs and how he is hailed a hero. But the in, in terms of the rewards, I, I can overlook that. But I do like the fact his dad had ended a completely different way for him it's as for, it did for his son. It's different for everybody. Like, yes. I could see the kids who find this on the shore. That situation is going to turn out bad. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't handle it. And that is also, I feel like, very similar to the story of Christine, where if you have this object or objects that are being passed off and you have different owners... That idea by itself is kind of creepy. Like if you move into an apartment and you think, I wonder who's lived here before. Same way with the gun or owning something else. That itself, the idea to me is ear. Yeah, I I think maybe the ending is saying that everything in our lives comes down to who owns it. Like you Mm -hmm. cannot blame a gun for what what it does. I don't personally, I don't think there are bad dogs. There are bad owners. Mm -hmm. And that's what this comes down to. If you can handle it, can be a responsible gun owner uh, and then there are people that can't handle it they can't handle there's people that can't handle success sure can't handle a fast car and then there are people that can I, I guess that is what this ultimately is saying and then in this case Jeff was he was fine he was able to overcome what his father could not and when you read the outro I may like it better but that's the main reason I feel like they could have touched on that a little bit more in a different way about focusing on Jeff and how he took control of it to more or less benefit and yeah. he didn't allow it to consume him I know I can't remember exactly the outro and we'll get to that we'll a get to bit. the outro let me do bad real quick because yes. I, I don't have much I guess one minor quibble that I have you had a minor one I do too we, Jeff meets with one of his students who brings up the idea of animism, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. And he brings up the idea because she is becoming obsessed with all of her stuff. She's basically consumed with the idea that the objects, her shoes, whatever it is, her toothbrush, is lonely when she's away. She's leaving lights on for it so that it, like, it doesn't get scared. That all seems convenient to the plot. It's just like... Oh, we needed a way to kind of ex- if if you don't get what's happening, maybe <laughs> this is here for you to kind of explain it with sure. dialogue. That it's a minor complaint. Sure, and maybe if they reorganize that, because perhaps that's the conversation that saved Jeff's life, in which he started thinking back to that conversation. And yeah. Jeff is a smart character. He's not treated as this. Yeah, dunce. I like that he's not a bumbling idiot. <laughs> I know I didn't have anything else. He's not. I love this episode. I guess. The narrator outro, which you weren't huge on. I think it's really, really good. It says human beings have a funny way of treating things like people. But today they'll learn that as long as objects are valued more than lives, 
tragedy will forever be manufactured here in the Twilight Zone. That's short. I've heard complaints short, about that. People are calling it. very on the nose, but I think it's yeah. very well written, and it sums up everything perfectly. Well, on the nose, and someone referred to it as a fortune cookie phrase. It's good. <laughs> that We're finding complaints with stuff that's good. And that's it. That's, that's what I think. That's what I said about the it's outro. Like we're complaining. We're so fed up with the season that we're finding stuff. That's every little. I think thing. that's one of the best because it's so quick. Even though it's on the nose, every it's just it sums up everything we watched perfectly. Let's do Easter eggs. Sure. And then I'll let you go over some past episodes because I didn't see Whipple Whipple anywhere in this no episode. No Whipple. The serial number on the gun is ten fifteen. Mm-hmm. I got that one. Nailed it. Um. Yes, and then the other thing that I wrote, well, I mentioned Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit, and then the lake where Jeff's father is honored, and his ashes are spread in the lake, and it's the lake um, where the boys find the gun, where after Jeff has tossed it into the lake, mm-hmm. they stumble upon the gun. Very much like the uh, the lake that Adam Scott crash lands on in Nightmare. The same thing. It's got to be. It looks like the exact same beat. Which is fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm not. I'm not complaining about that. I, I'm sure they all they shot it in the same spot. But I thought yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's the nightmare shore. That's all I got. That's also all I have for Easter eggs and nods. This didn't remind me of any other older Twilight Zone. It didn't come to me. And while digging through the the box set, I couldn't find anything that stood out. It and once again, this comes off as an original story that it had something to say that's timely and it worked. That's why for my overall grade, I'm so tempted to give this a flat A, but I'm going with an A minus. I'm doing A. Woo! I think this is fantastic. I, I, <laughs> I loved it. I did too. My uh, Last week, my Lexi, my girlfriend and I watched Point of origin together. She had not seen any episodes this season. She was like, this is awful. Is this what they all are like? like? And I'm like, yeah, sadly. It's like two They're minutes all, in, right? Yeah. Very early on, she was like, oh, <laughs> this is an immigration episode. And I go, yeah. And she was like, oh, are, uh, like, are all of these taking some topic? On the nose. And I was like, yeah, sadly, we're, we're at that point. And then this is the one where I texted her after. I was like, wow, this Twilight Zone nailed it. She should this watch is it. the one you need to watch mm-hmm. because... It's a great representation of the past, and it's modern. I agree. That's the best way of the episodes, and we'll have a wrap-up episode, but after having a skip from Point of Origin, I think you really need to watch Blue Scorpion. I would say, and this is a bold statement, I think this is worth the price of admission, as they say. Agreed. This is worth us subscribing and putting up with some, I don't know, let's say three or four poopy episodes. Yes, but I'm not talking about Blue Scorpion. No, some actual bull. <laughs> For did you now? Did you have a YouTube moment? I like the idea when we start getting the the mystery of the gun from this mysterious man in the corner of the room. Sure, I would probably say that. Mine may be, and I'm not sure. Why, it's not like my favorite scene by any means, but I feel like this could be the most searched and sought after. Whenever Jeff is lying on the floor like a kitty cat playing with the gun. This is the moment where we are now at. I've really been excited to hear from you about ranking the new Twilight Zone episodes. We have nine total. Well, I'll start with the bedrock of TZ, and that's not all men. Garbage. 
that's number nine. Number eight, point of origin. Number seven might shock you, replay. Oh, so the comedian's moving up. The comedian, we the, the one we <laughs> joked about at one point that will never get out of last place, has climbed up to number six for me. You know, Camille is at home celebrating. Because, again, that's really, I think that one's well-made and well-acted. Mm-hmm. It's got a good Tracy Morgan and a good Camille. So that's number six. Number five, six degrees of freedom. That fell from number one to number what? five for me. I'm just thinking, what are the, which of these do I want to rewatch? That okay. plays a huge factor. And these um, are more or less episodes that you would recommend watch them. Yeah. Yes. These are all, from, from here on out, these are all, I'm saying these are good. Uh, number four, The Wonderkind. Another one I really liked. Number three, A Traveler. Number two, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. And easily, number one, The Blue Scorpion. Okay. I would be blindsided if this slips <laughs> out of the top spot. If Blurry this, Man tops that. Honestly, this is top tier Twilight Zone for me. It is for me, too. And that's why when you mention Glenn Morgan, it's going to be a no-brainer where all of this falls. Bedrock, as you said. Point of origin. Yeah. Not All Men at number eight. The Comedian. This seems low. But I'm wanting to go back and rewatch these episodes. Honestly, we'll probably skip Point of Origin, though. Uh, number six, w- The Wonderkind. I feel like that's low. Replay- but, but that's when you like. Uh, yes, I liked. Because I think you and I are on the same page. Look, That's why going back and ranking these, I would say six of, six of the nine so far I've liked, which mm-hmm. is interesting because the ones we hate have really painted a negative view on this show. And number five, I have Replay. But I like the concept. I You were all up that one's butt for a long time. Honestly, that was a on the nose about social commentary. Didn't mind it. I really, I, yeah, I the ending sucks though. The ending, the ending was definitely kind of like a deflated balloon, just lost a little bit of air. I get it, but that ending for me, thinking back to it, is it may actually be bringing it down slightly. Number four, nightmare. Ooh. Number three, a traveler. Ooh. Number two. Six Degrees of Freedom. Number one, Blue Scorpion. You notice that Glenn Morgan is in the top three. Yeah, he's in well, he's in he's in three of my five, top five. Top three, baby. I don't think that's going to budge. But it I may. don't know, man, because Blur next week's episode looks awesome. Now the, the trailer has sold you. Is that right? That and Seth Rogen and Zazie. Zazie. I am all in. That's going to be our next episode, Blurry Man. A week from now, you'll know whether or not we liked it and how it ranks and all of that. I'm really curious. I'm wanting to know who wrote that and who directed it. But I'm, I'm saving it. I, I've taken the same approach as what you have where I keep it just fresh. Whenever I sit down for the first time, it's all new. What if it says written by Seth Rogen? Honestly, Seth is, I trust him as a writer. I think we've talked about this enough to know that he can write. I'm assuming it's not Glenn Morgan. You want to do some predictions? Predictions, I'm ready. I have basically one prediction, then I have just two like, this is what this looks like. I'm going to say it's 51 minutes long. Okay. I say it's one of the longer ones. It's it's the season finale. This looks like a take on Slender Man. Mm hmm. And. We get some serious homage 
uh, visually at least, to Time Enough at Last, which is the famous episode with Burgess Meredith, who plays Henry Bemis, a man obsessed with books. We see broken glasses on the ground mm-hmm. on a staircase. And the steps leading and up the to steps. the... Mm-hmm. says Alice in Wonderland. We see a TV mm-hmm. actually playing the episode Time Enough at Last. Mm-hmm. I don't think the episode looks like that, like a remake of that, but it has those images, which I can't... It's almost... I wonder if it's going to be... Rogan is a screenwriter who is writing for The Twilight Zone, and he's writing that episode, and somehow Zazie is in the episode, but she's like blending in real life. Like she's a character in his story and is somehow emerging from it which brings me i'll take a short tangent here but i'm wondering if they're going to do a take on the original twilight zone episode a world of his own that's where the narrator becomes a character is it the one is it is he somehow writing it and it's unfolding in real life this story specifically is where serling delivers his typical narrator outro but then after that, he actually becomes someone who people recognize and they call him Rod. And he literally becomes a character, but goes by Rod. What season is that? Season one, I believe. Season I mean, one, episode 36. It's the last episode ooh, of season one, so, written by Richard Matheson. Okay. So, a little um, homework before next episode. I, I really want to watch that one. Mm-hmm. We're going to bank on that being. The, uh, I don't know, a premise or some sort of inspiration for this? I don't think it's going to be like a modern, a modernized tale or retelling rather of that. But I feel like there's another Twilight Zone episode where the narrator is a part of the story or, or it's about the narrator. I just can't tell if Rogan is the, is the real character of Zazie's because she's like running around what looks like an empty world basically. Mm-hmm. But she's also there's also a moment where she is speaking with someone about like you need to get sleep your body like cannot handle this. I I'm I mean hype scale at the top of the chart for Blurry Man. It looks good. Now also talking about Zazie being possibly a fictional character, it starts the opening shot of the trailer starts with what I'm assuming is Zazie in the middle of a street, and she seems very. I don't know, angelic or just very different. Like the because it's a silhouette of her. Mm-hmm. What I'm assuming is Zazie. And there's a moment I think we get a close up of her eye and it looks like it turns digital or something. Mm-hmm. Digital. But if you notice too, the eyes of Eve or um Goodwin in point of origin, her eyes took on like this blue tint. But once I again, think I think that's just that's her funny. baby blues. Ooh. I, I wondered if that was, in that episode, a playoff of her being from another dimension. But this is, all right, so this is going to tie into my prediction, one of two. This will connect all of the episodes and the Easter eggs that we've seen, like 1015, from the new Twilight Zone. And it will also bridge this to the old Twilight Zone episodes. I don't know how. Because you've had a theory before that it's all connected and yep. it, by the end of it, it will all be, we'll know why. Yeah. So I'm wondering if somehow Rogan's character is the mastermind of all of the, all, basically everything that we've seen in these first nine episodes. And. Which I don't know if I like. I w- and well, I'm kind of on the same page as you right now because i went back to our first twilight zone episode when we introduced why we were getting into this why we wanted to do this podcast 
just about Twilight Zone for these episodes. But I did not come out on record and say that, but as just while we were speculating, that was one of my major predictions that these episodes will be linked somehow, but we'll also have where it's all brought together and explained how they're tied together. And that's my second prediction in which Seth Rogen's character character will be tying them all together. And whether he's the actual writer, I like that idea. Like you said, he's the screenwriter, maybe the head writer. And I also feel like he's going to lose his mind. But she's like writing in this too. She's at a keyboard, keyboard, I think. Zazie... Zazie is really the wild card here because I'm not sure. Do we want to make one more prediction? Will Seth Rogen's character smoke pot? Yes. He'll be you hot. say yes? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's make that an official prediction <laughs> that Seth Rogen's character will smoke a doob at some point or be stoned. Smoke a doob or be stoned at some point. There's one moment where he looks Check. totally out of it. But he looks like he's going he's to be... He's always out of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> did you Seth Rogen. Did you read... I think it may have been for GQ, which, by the way, that shoot looked awesome. But he came out on record... No, no, it was... He was on uh, Kimmel or... It was uh, Fallon, I believe. Yeah, it was a late night host. It was Colbert, I think. So it was one of the late night he's hosts. He's promoting Longshine. He mm-hmm. said there... He was, he was just like, are you ever high on set? He's when like, you shoot, and he's just like, yeah, if you any scene you watch, I'm probably high in that. Guaranteed. I am stoned all the time. Which is like, I love it. I I am excited for Seth, but peak hype. Well, you are obsessed Zazie. with this woman. I'm I'm obsessed. I will come out on record. You are and openly say, obsessed with her, and I do not know I just how love, your girlfriend is able to not like slap you. She doesn't she doesn't want me to ever talk about it. But Zazie and Atlanta, I fell in love with her there. And then I wasn't a huge Deadpool 2 fan. And Zazie was 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 okay. It was just yeah, her she's character. Right. She's fine in that. But that movie sucked though. Yeah, I'm I wasn't a huge fan, but peak hype for Zazie and I rarely I feel like I would rarely have this, but the Starstruck, like if you met someone, I feel like that's what would happen if I ever met Zazie. I would just like What if she comes up to mouth. you and she says I want to have your child. I then would know that I would be stuck in the twilight zone. (laughs) So we're really excited for next week. And we're really happy that one of these episodes blew our minds. I'm glad it just happened once. That's it. That's all I'm asking. But let's hope lightning can strike twice. Film and television fans, thanks for listening. I should also just say twilight zone fans. Thanks for listening to us. Don't forget that you can rate us and subscribe so that you know when a new Twilight Zone or another Quality Check podcast episode drops into your podcast. We don't plan. have, I mean, we're, we're winding down on this and then we're going to get back to what we do, which is talk about movies. Full-fledged movies. What are the next two movies that you and I are going to talk about next week? I believe it's a movie. One of our most anticipated movies of May and the mm-hmm. summer. It's, it's a little known movie, a little indie film. Is, Ma. Is that an indie film? Yeah, like um, almost all horror films could almost be considered indie because of the low budget. We're, we're in for a, we're, I think we're going to be in for a treat. We're going to talk about Pumped. Ma. Pumped. We're going to, it's going to be a spooky episode because we're also going to talk about the new James Gunn produced movie, Brightburn. 
hopefully we don't get glass in our eyes for that. You, did you see? Did you see that in the trailer where the no. waitress looks? Oh, you have. I don't want to see that. Dang it! Okay, don't spoil. Sorry, it, I'm, I thought I thought you had seen that in the most recent trailer. So we're going to talk about Ma and Brightburn, and then we have one more Twilight Zone episode. One and more. We may do a recap. Recap. We'll do some. We'll, we'll call them the Zonies, and we're going to give away some awards <laughs> or something. And then, Love. of course, we've had this in the works for a long time, but my mouth has really put a damper on us recording. We're doing an episode on S. Craig Zoller. We're going to talk about Bone Tomahawk, Brawl and Subblock 99, and Dragged Across Concrete. And we're going to give away the Zollies. Zollies are going to be across the board with a lot of different things. You get a Zollie. You get a Zollie. And Mel Gibson gets a Zollie. Everyone. And Jennifer Carpenter gets a Zollie. Just for getting her hand shot off. Boom. Everyone is going to walk away from this and they will feel either they have watched a great movie or they will feel like they've been dragged across concrete. The real question is, will S. Craig Zoller get a Zolly? A Zolly. Let's hope so. You're traveling to another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Even in the fifth dimension, Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can find more of your favorite podcast at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.